The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon. Good evening, wherever you're joining us from. This is the Sheridan Show on basketballnews.com. I'm delighted and pleased to be joined by a guy way back in 1999 when he uh, was an, an unknown assistant and took a team to the NBA Finals. That kind of thing doesn't happen anymore, but Jeff Van Gundy did it uh, from ESPN's top crew. Jeff, thanks for being with us uh, on the podcast. And uh, I want to start right away with uh, what it was like for you to be in Staples Center on Christmas Day. I, I believe you were the only ESPN crew that was broadcasting live in arena and it was it was kind of uh, at least watching on TV. It was just, it was super weird seeing Staples Center uh, so empty. You guys were about halfway up the lower bowl. What was it like for you to be broadcasting out of an out of an em- another empty arena? But this one wasn't the bubble. This was a big one. Yeah, it was much different. And um, the bubble, I think, um, because of the arena was smaller, and the NBA did a fantastic job of making it as intimate as it could. Uh, with the the fans on the scoreboard and all of that, it didn't feel as weird. It was weird, but it didn't feel as weird. But Christmas Day was uh, totally surreal. No one in the arena, um, quiet. I mean, it's just, it's bizarre. And I think the thing that's going to really show up to me is the bubble, in the bubble, you only played eight regular season games, and then everything was a playoff game. So even though the, the setting was emotionless and, uh, you know, quiet, the teams were full of emotion because those games were significant. These Now we're going to 72 games uh, and without fans, at least in most places, or very limited and a few. And I think you're going to see some duds of performances as we get to, you know, 15, 20 games in where, you know, a crowd may help a team, even the road team to feel more energized. I think it's going to be very, very uh, difficult uh, to sustain really good, enthusiastic play. Yeah, we saw that certainly out of the Clippers on Sunday afternoon when they were down 50 points at halftime, largest deficit and largest halftime deficit in NBA history. Um, So there's not a lot of carryover from from one game to the next, with with very few exceptions, and that takes us to a team I w- uh, that not a lot of people have been talking about. But it's a team I've been touting as a possible top four in the East because of the offseason changes they made, bringing in some vets. That's the Atlanta Hawks. They're one of four teams as we tape here on a Tuesday morning that are that are at the top of the Eastern Conference undefeated, uh, and and Trey Young is just lighting things up uh, as as good as anybody in the NBA. Uh, so, so Jeff, I want to ask you, the Hawks coming off a, a 128 to 120 victory over the Pistons last night, 
Is this a, a, a legit top four uh, in the Eastern Conference team, or do you see them more as a five to eight team? Well, I think uh, one of the great phrases I've ever heard in the NBA is, we'll see. And I think we'll see. Like, Atlanta has started well. Um, offensively, Trey Young is, as you mentioned, Chris, uh, he's an absolute star. He uh, can shoot it deep. So he has so much space on the floor. Um, he's a terrific passer. Uh, they have surrounded him, as you've said, with – I mean, they're trying to win this year. The last couple of years, they haven't been trying to win. Um, but so much of it will come down to health. You know, Gallinari is already out a little bit, and defense. And I think their defense um, uh, needs to continue to get better. Um, obviously, Trey Young – uh, offensively is, you know, beyond good. Defensively, uh, he has to try to set a tone, even though his body isn't, uh, you know, a defensively gifted body. Uh, they have to know their star is committed to winning, which means trying on defense. And he's got to set a tone, and their other players have to follow along. If they'll commit to defending and if they can stay healthy, you may be right. I think it's uh, optimistic to think they're a top four team, but certainly they started off the season really well. And over in the other conference, in the Western Conference, there's nobody who's undefeated, uh, but the Lakers are sitting at two and two. And then last night, uh, Nikola Jokic had uh, had the biggest game of his career in, in terms of assists as the Denver Nuggets got off the schneid. Um, out of all the teams in the West, Jeff, and it's really different now, as you said on TV Sunday, Ten teams make the playoffs for all, for by all means, um, and there's only one or maybe one team in the West, and that's Oklahoma City that's really not trying to win. So, of the teams in the West, um, even though no one's gotten off to a great, great start, um, and the Rockets are the only team that's zero and two that doesn't have a win yet, uh, which team is has has really surprised you by whatever it is it's done, either in a positive or negative way? I don't know if I'm surprised by Phoenix, but I think Phoenix is really, really good. Uh, I think Devin Booker is an absolute star. They added in Chris Paul. Aiton's getting better. And the guy that no one talks about outside of Phoenix is Mikhail Bridges, who um, I think is a tremendous glue guy on a you know really good team. And so I love what um, James Jones and Monty Williams have done together in building their roster. They've taken a lot of criticism by people that they've drafted. And yet Cam Johnson last year, everybody was up in arms. He went earlier than they had him projected in the draft, but he gives them a component of shooting. And if you're going to have great players like Devin Booker and Chris Paul, to not surround them with elite shooting is a basketball crime. It really is. And so if you don't have great shooting uh, around great players, you can only go so far. Um, and I think we're going to see that with some of the teams in the Western Conference who just don't have enough shooting around their best players. Conversely, and you mentioned Houston, I think Houston understands the value of putting shooting around a great player and a great talent like James Harden. Well, certainly last night they got it from Christian Wood, uh, who's looking like the favorite to become the most improved player. He was four for five on, on three-pointers, <clears throat> uh, uh, scored 23 points. Um, it, 
the Rockets were getting clobbered in this game and they lost by 13, but the game wasn't really that close. Um, and as I mentioned before, <clears throat> Nikola Jokic put up the game of his life assist-wise with 18 assists. But back to James Harden, uh, Jeff, and <clears throat> you've seen uh, players who've want to get traded before, but they're they're kind of forced to play. They got to get their paycheck, and they and they have to keep their value somewhat up around where it should be. Uh, James is the the only guy in the league where you, you turn on the TV and say, you know what, there's a real good chance this guy scores 40 points tonight. Um, he's, he's averaged more than 30, uh, more than 32 the last couple of years. Uh, how do you see that playing out in terms of whether or not he stays with the Houston Rockets? Well, I think Houston has to be very careful in this situation of not getting tired or worn out by the ongoing, you know, should he be traded and where, um, and then just settling for a deal because these deals, uh, when you deal a great, great player like Harden is, and you trade it, usually you don't get uh, as good as you gave away. So I think they have to be resolute in their um, what they want. And if they don't get what they want, keep him. Because I think they're a top four seed in the West with him. You know, they lost these first two games, heartbreaker in Portland to Denver last night. As much because of the guys they didn't have, um, because of you know COVID protocols, you know, and then Harden had his uh, drama where he had to sit out six days of practice for being at um, a party. Um, they've got to get their discipline to these protocols down. But if they do, as you mentioned, Christian Wood, James Harden, John Wall, and a slew of other guys that are good players, uh, this is a team I think that is being vastly underrated. Yeah, DeMarcus Cousins and, and Eric Gordon had to sit out because of uh, COVID protocols, but Sterling Brown gave him 31 good minutes last night with, with 12 points. Ja'Shawn Tate, the, the rookie, uh, was pretty solid in, in, in his minutes, box score-wise. But, um, again, that game wasn't as close as the final score indicated, and it was a 13-point game. One other Eastern Conference team I wanted to hit on, Jeff, that uh, that nobody ever talks about but they got a heck of a center, uh, the guy who leads the NBA in rebounding every year, Andre Drummond, and then they got a speedy backcourt in Darius Garland and Colin Sexton that, again, nobody talks about, but sitting at, uh, atop the Eastern Conference with a 3-0 record is the Cleveland Cavaliers um, with a 13.3 point differential, uh, which is the best in the entire NBA. What's going on there, Jeff? Yeah, I saw them in the preseason against the Knicks. I thought they were horrific. They were down 50, I think, in the game. Uh, didn't try particularly hard. Now, they weren't playing their guys, but, you know, again, that's why you can overreact either positively or negatively to uh, preseason. Uh, interestingly, as everyone's downsized, they play two small guards, and in the last game they started Love, Nance, and Drummond. So they went super small in the backcourt, supersized in the front court. You know, Love had a little calf issue. He didn't play that much. But I'm going to be interested to see, and again, is this for real? Like, everybody puts up good numbers now. You know, the numbers, you can't just go by numbers. Numbers are only important if it translates into on-court winning, right? And so Drummond's numbers in these games, they have directly impacted winning. And, and so I'm going to be interested, just like I mentioned about the Hawks, can they sustain? Can they keep going? Is it a product of their schedule, good fortune, 
bad night. But the way they pounded Philly, I know it was without Embiid, but they played a heck of a game. Yeah, they 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 beat them by, uh, I think it was twenty four points, and uh, you you wonder whether that's a, a mirage or not. And you know, something you said, Jeff, once when I was a young reporter and you were a young coach, uh, it kind of stuck with me. It's very easy to put up great numbers on a bad team, and uh, and kind of inflate your value just through uh, through putting up numbers on a bad team that never wins. And there, there's certain players that have that have done that, and then they move to good teams. And and they're they're either exposed as a as a guy who's just been all about the numbers, or else they they sort of uh, come on board um, as a team player. And um, a, a player I wanted to ask you about that some people were were real down on, but I think showed his true metal last year in the playoffs is Jimmy Butler. Um, Jimmy Butler uh, kind of got a bad rap in in, in Minnesota. Um, in in Philadelphia, he wasn't a great fit in that locker room. Why did it all click for him in Miami? Well, I don't really know Jimmy Butler's personality, but all I can tell you is every place he goes to, they win more than they used to. And then when he leaves, they win less. And so um, I, I don't know. Like What I see is a guy who is a quasi-point guard in that – he, he doesn't look to shoot an inordinate amount. Um, his three-point percentage isn't great, so he doesn't shoot a lot of them. Um, he makes plays. He's a tough defender, great steal guy. Uh, and I think, you know, again, this isn't about, like, sitting around a campfire and everyone telling uh, niceties to each other. Again, I don't know what he's like, but – I know in Miami, they value greatly competitive spirits, um, you know, and so Butler is an efficient offensive player because he gets a free throw line all the time. He, he busts his ass on defense. He rebounds. Um, all those things uh, everyone should value. What Miami decided to do where Philly didn't want him anymore, Minnesota traded him because he demanded to be traded. Um, you know, like, I mean, this guy's a heck of a player, a heck of a competitor, and he wins a lot wherever he goes. Yeah. Tough as nails players are, are, are tough to find. Uh, but Jeff, I want to wrap up with, with a, 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 some, a, a story that, that you've told before about some tough as nails players and that the experiences you went through as a head coach for USA basketball, uh, a lot of people know you mostly as a broadcaster, but, uh, you're a broadcaster who came from a coaching background, and you got to coach a couple of years ago on the Team USA World Cup qualifying team, and that included a game against Cuba uh, in uh, in I believe it was in Northern California. And yes, Santa a, Cruz. Yes, in Santa Cruz, and there's a muffler story that you'll remember just by me mentioning the word muffler. Would you mind telling the listeners uh, exactly what happened in that game after or after that game where the United States beat Cuba uh, as as you were leading the team to World Cup? qualification well you know these games are uh highly important if you're trying to you know to qualify for the world cup cuba actually has some uh, really good front court players and so the games are usually are thursday and then sunday and we were playing cuba on a sunday so they come in on friday and then you know people are worried because they can't find some of the players on Saturday, you know, and you start thinking, you know, 
what is it? Defection? Is it this, that? No, they were out at, you know, I, I, wherever, a car store, um, tea, and they're at an electronics place, and they like bought mufflers to send home. They, they flew them home because I guess they were more inexpensive here to be able to fix their cars. And they were buying TVs to ship home. I mean, think about it. We're going into a really important game for ourselves. They are too. And they're out like and can't be found for practice because they're out trying to hawk the cheapest muffler they can get so they can send it home and fix their car. It does put in perspective, um, you know, some of the things that we may well take for granted. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great story that, you know, Cuba, if anybody who's been there or watched closely on TV is home to some of the greatest American cars and they keep them running. They're all from the 1950s and they're still running and they don't have the parts for them, but they'll keep them running with duct tape and glue if they have to. But uh, yeah, we went we went uh, like six months later, we went to Cuba to play and it was uh, I'm not a big travel guy. I don't love it, but like in the form of competition it was awesome to see cuba uh to see those cars we rode in them uh to dinner um after the game it was uh really a highlight for me from from a travel perspective something uh, a country so close to the united states and yet so so very different yeah i remember you talking about eating dinner at the place where barack obama uh once yeah and, yeah you know, it was crazy uh -huh. yeah and the waterfront there is 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 gorgeous and it's a time capsule place uh i was in belgrade once with team team usa and belgrade was a time capsule as well because it was right after uh yugoslavia had been sanctioned for a long time by nato and you drop into these places and you're like, damn, man, everything here looks 50 years old. And that's because it is uh, <laughs> at least the, the working machinery is 50 years old. And then the architecture is even older than that. Uh, Jeff, I know you pressed for time. I want to thank you for joining me on my on my show. I'm Chris Sheridan from Basketball News. He's Jeff Van Gundy from ABC and ESPN. He's the best there is in terms of color commentary, folks. And that's saying something, uh, especially because his games used to be called by Walt Frazier, who's not bad himself. So, Jeff, thanks for coming on from Houston, and uh, uh, keep yourself safe and, and travel safe. I know you're going to be in a, in a bunch of different arenas this year. It means you got to go through airports. So uh, everybody's got to stay safe and healthy, but also everybody's got to kind of keep their spirits up. And thanks for bringing that to us uh, uh, every time you broadcast a game on on ABC and on ESPN. It's a, it, it keeps the mood light, and it keeps people smiling. You got it, Chris. Take care. Have a good day. With that, folks, until the next time. It's a big over and out.